0: Well, my good friends, hello. How are you doing today? Welcome to Pensapolitics, Mr. Watson. I am your host, as always, forever and eternally, Christian Watson. It is so good to be back with you guys today. Whether you're listening to us on Spotify, the Fed by Ravens Network, um, Apple Podcast, Pandora, wherever you're hearing my voice grace your mind and seep through your consciousness and cause something, a change of some sort, a revelation of some sort, a, a, a difference in opinion to arise, wherever. I'm just going to thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to an hour of this 20-year-old try to make sense of the world. That's It speaks a lot to your character and your patience, <laughs> in all honesty. So as I always start the show out with, I am doing great, my friends. Uh, for me, this is my final week of university, so things are a little bit, uh, little bit hectic. But they're not as hectic for me as they are for some of my other classmates. A lot of my other peers... Um many of whom are doing STEM are just drowning in loads of work. They're drowning and not only in the work's not what's killing them, it's their anxiety that's killing them. It's their ability or inability to anticipate the future that's killing them. It's the uh the common integral theme to the human archetype, the theme of the unknown that is killing them. And so I just tell them, look, you have to take these things one day at a time. You have to be patient with yourself. You have to stop conjuring up demons in your mind. You have to stop trying to make things appear as if they can be worse or they will be worse. You have to stop, you have to stop playing probability against yourself because probability really is only the estimate of things that could be. And likings of things that could be, not things that are. You have to focus on what is first, then proceed to what is going to, what that is going to be. So, if any of you are dealing with stress, because you know this is Thanksgiving week, and COVID has really stricken the 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 fun, the joy out of Thanksgiving holiday, at least in the sense of our ability to celebrate it. I would just say, look, my friends, worry not, keep the faith, remain inspired, and always remember. You have something to be thankful for. And we'll get to that. I'm gonna do a Thanksgiving Day special. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. It'll be up on Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving morning. And if you guys want to listen to that, I would encourage you to. I'm gonna go through the history of Thanksgiving, the philosophy behind it, and how we can be thankful amid such a raucous and just chaotic year that 2020 has been. But before we can get to the fun stuff, we have to talk about the grilling stuff. So Joe Biden has announced this has been a very very head week weekend news too. Joe Biden has announced that he is going to nominate Anthony Blinken as his Secretary of State. Or he's expected to, he has not announced, but he's expected to nominate Anthony Blinken. I'm going to explain to you why that, that nomination is very dangerous for anyone who cares about world peace, anyone who cares about um the proper role of government, and more anyone who cares about, you know, being against anti-militarism, anyone who cares about physical responsibility, anyone who cares about about anything that does not involve blowing up the Middle East, blowing up the world, or trying to instill virtue through force, Blinken is dangerous. We'll also talk about, and this will constitute most of the show, my experience at the walk-away Atlanta rally. This weekend, Saturday, I was in Atlanta uh, at CNN headquarters and over at the state capitol for the walk-away rally also known as the Stop the Still rally. And so I'll give you my thoughts. It was an interesting time. I got to meet some interesting people. I had uh, some interesting conversations. It was it was a fun time. Uh, I would do it again. And yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it today on this episode of Pensa and Mr. Watson. All right, guys. So Anthony Blinken. So Joe Biden is desperately trying to ensure that his cabinet set is set so that when he assumes office in January 2021, because he will assume office, guys, I'm sorry. If you think that, look, I know a good bit of my listenership probably believes the election was rigged and that Joe Biden has no chance of assuming office. Well, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but he will assume office. He will be certified as the President of the United States. Um, He need not be your President, but he will be the United States' President. And... That is a reality we all have to face. I didn't want it to happen. Joe Biden, or at least what he stands for, what he represents is an anathema to everything the founders fought for, everything that is predicated and enshrined within the tenets of natural law, everything that is predicated and enshrined in the tenets of my natural rights. What Joe Biden stands for is against our ability as human beings to live and flourish as we want, according to our own standards. So worry not, I am not someone who is an apologist for Joe Biden. I didn't want the man to win. But reality is an objective concept. Reality does not, this is not some sort of Cartesian mind, um, mind uh, warp where I can just dream and think things into reality. This is not some sort of new age uh, schema where I can just attract my desires through the laws of the universe. The law of attraction, which says that if you think it, it'll come to you. That's not what this is. This is an objective reality that can be measured, tested, and prodded, that can be known. And we are all fighting and racing to understand the underpinnings and the foundational principles of this reality through discussion, through political action, um, through thinking, um, through acting, just acting in general in life, through everything we do. Everything we do is in some way, shape, or form related to finding out the true nature of reality, even if we don't know it. So, ultimately, if I'm going to be a warrior for objective reality, I must say, Joe Biden appears to be the President of the United States. I just, I can't, uh, there's no way to cut that. Now, what we can do in this objective reality, is fight against the terrible appointments, fight against the baleful policies that he will put forth ultimately, and fight against the eldritch, uh, just dangerous influence of a Kamala Harris. Eldritch Christian? She's not mysterious. I th- Kamala Harris is a, chame- a, chame- a, chame- a chameleon. She's a chameleon. Seriously. She's a chameleon. That's a, I got tongue-tied a little because I have, I don't say that word very often. Boy George did, though. Karma Chameleon. That's a good song. But she is such a chameleon that a lot of her desires are unknown. They are mysterious. They may even be a little bit alien to us because of how cunning she is. But... So, Anthony Blinken. So he's putting forth his cabinet and Blinken is one of his people and he's going to keep announcing things as as days go on. And the... A theme of his cabinet is this going to be the most diverse cabinet in the history of the of the United States government, the most diverse cabinet. Yes, I, I'm I'm serious. So there's an article out from AP News saying Biden expected to tap Anthony Blinken for Secretary of State, and in that article it mentions that. Biden's has pledged to build the most diverse government, this is a quote, in modern history, and he and his team often speak about their desire for his administration to reflect America. He is being watched to see whether he will make history by nominating the first woman to lead the Pentagon, the Treasury Department, or the Department of Veteran Affairs, or the first African American at the top of the Department of Defense, Defense Department, the Interior Department, or the Treasury Department. So, Joe Biden is more so looking for racial diversity than the diversity of ideas. Everyone who Biden is nominating, especially Blinken, they are centrist and they are, um, they are linked with the Obama-Clinton group. He's not nominating any far-left progressives, although so it does not appear. He's not nominating anyone who would seem to diverge from his archetype. Biden is nominating people precisely for the kind of needs he needs them to be. He is doing precisely what he said he would. He's going to be a quote-unquote unifier. But he's going to unify in a very confined sense, a very restricted sense. Biden, My friends, Biden will not unify in the sense of Oh, I'm going to bring people of different ideologies and frameworks within my administration to have a holistic governing approach. No, no, no. What he's going to do, he's going to unify a certain segment of his base around his government, and then try to use that as a as a uh, a, a pulpit, as a soapbox, to instill change. That is what Biden's M.O. is. That's what his M.O. is. And so Blinken is a microcosm, in effect, a result, a consequence of that misled desire. And so Blinken, just for you guys who do not know who Anthony Blinken is, he served as Deputy Deputy Secretary of State and Deputy National Security Advisor during the Obama administration. So he was very close to Biden as well. And the AP News article says... If nominated and confirmed, he would be a leading force in the incoming administration's bid to reframe the U.S. relationship with the rest of the world after four years in which President Donald Trump questioned long-time alliances. That should concern you. Look, for all of his faults, President Trump was a lion in the area of foreign policy. His actions brimmed with the courage of a lion. When it came to NATO, Donald Trump said, Look, America came in this compact so we could stop the rise of a fascist regime. But we did not come into this compact so we could subsidize your defense systems while you spend billions of dollars on, on untenable, principally unsound, socialized medicine and social safety net regimes. Pay up. That's what President Trump said. When it came to starting wars across the na- uh, world, President Trump has been one of the few presidents in modern history who has not initiated a war in the Middle East or anywhere in the world. He has dropped bombs, yes. He did drop Moab on ISIS. He did bomb Assad's bases in Syria. And guess what? When he did that, I was very disappointed. I didn't like that whatsoever. And that's those are inexcusable. To, to bomb a sovereign nation. That is, inexcusable. But, to my knowledge, President Trump has not started a new war. Contrast that to the Obama administration, to the belligerent Obama administration. Barack Obama promised, before he got into office, that the first thing he would do was withdraw us from the war. That is the first thing he would do Take that to the bank. Well, guess what? We took it to the bank and we couldn't cash the check. (laughs) It bounced. The check bounced. (laughs) The check bounced, man. And now our credit history is down the tube. It's asinine. The fact that all eight years of the Obama administration has been marked with war, war, war all 8 years he is the only two term president to have that distinction all 8 years was it marked by war i don't understand that i don't get that and so when you when you hear someone from the biden camp saying that this guy is going to restore the United States' relationship with the world, what he's really saying is this guy is going to return America to the heights of its former imperialism. Or, well, its current imperialism. That's what you hear. That's what he's saying. We're going to keep bombing countries. We're going to keep destabilizing countries. Now, of course, people are like, oh, Christian, you're straw manning. No, I'm not. This is precisely what occurred under the Obama administration and this is precisely the principles that these people are claiming Blinken will bring and if Blinken brings those principles you better believe America standing in the world even if it is uh, adulated by the United Nations or adulated by whatever body of, 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 of just of, of vain consenters and assenters wants to say the people who we are bombing the people who we are destroying the people whose lands we are destroying the people who we are killing they won't see us any differently the primary reason why America couldn't wage war on terrorism, other than the fact that it was trying to wage war on now, which is a bad idea in the first place, but in a more strategic, practical sense, was because the people in the areas that we were waging war in didn't trust us. They saw us as the invaders. Because we did not go in with a just cause. We did not go in under the constraints of a sunset provision. We did not go in under... Clear ethical standards. We did not go in in a way that was going to be effective to our objective. We didn't even go in with a sound objective in the first place. So how in the world do you expect America when are people in the world to see us any differently when you say we're going to return to this global stage? And so one of the dangerous things that I think Blinken poses Is this idea that America needs to force democracy on the rest of the world. Lincoln said this in September. Democracy is in retreat around the world, and unfortunately it's also in retreat at home because of the president taking a a two-by-four to its institutions, its values, and its people every day. Let me read that again. Democracy is in retreat around the world, and unfortunately, it's also in retreat at home because of the president taking a two-by-four to its institutions and its values and its people every day. Really, a (laughs) two-by-four. So Blinken's mindset on these issues is quite clear. Blinken is saying, no, the president needs to be an active force in the world. But what that means is what it meant under the eight years of hell that was harbinged by the Obama administration that Blinken directly oversaw. That's what that means. Blinken oversaw. Well, he aided in it, I suppose. He wasn't the main guy, but he was the assistant to the main guy. He participated in that. He partook in that. He... Gave Vice President Biden advice. He gave Barack Obama advice on this stuff. It's concerning, people. It's not that I'm an isolationist. I'm just someone who thinks that if America's going to get into war, A, we ought to do what the Constitution says, we ought to do what the War Powers Act says, we ought to do what natural law dictates. We ought to do it just war theory dictates, and we ought to declare the war in a formal manner. We ought to have a very clear goal. We ought to have a very delimited role. We ought to have a sunset date. We ought to have ethical principles guiding our decision. We—I mean, this is not isolationism. You want your wars to be ethical, to be as less costly as possible, and to the credit of the Obama administration, he did, like. St- reduced number of troops coming home in body bags. He did slash troops around the world, but for as many troops as he slashed and brought back home, he ramped up the level of air warfare. He ramped up the level of drone bases being put in Africa, being put across the Middle East. He ramped the level of drone strikes and airstrikes. So it doesn't matter if you're waging war on the ground or if you're waging war from the air, bombing people into smithereens, you're still waging war. And one kind of war is probably more dangerous. Because someone could just be going up in their village and walking outside and all of a sudden, boom, a missile hits them. And, I mean, seriously. War is not a popular thing. War is not a good thing. It should be avoided at all costs, my friends. But Blinken, going to be the Secretary of State, that's going to be, that's going to pave the way for more tensions in this world than anything else. The chief diplomatic officer of the United States of America should not be someone who oversaw and aided and abetted a half a dec most of a decade of endless war. That's that's the biggest thing. That's the concern. But also, it's this rank idealism that Blinken possesses. It's this rank idealism that I just can't stand, people. This idea, although I suppose it's more of the content of the idealism, the idealism itself. This idea. That democracy is in retreat. First of all, you understand, democracy is a false term, people. Democracy is a false term. There is no benevolent democracy. As the founders have said, as political theorists for ages have said, as the ancient Greeks, some of them, understood, democracy is simply, as Ayn Rand understood, democracy is simply the shifting of hands over to a larger mob that then imposed their arbitrary will upon the rights of, forget the minority, the individual. Most folks are like, oh, well, the minority. Forget the minority. How about the individual? The individual, as Ayn Rand said, is the smallest minority. How about them, the individual? Me. I don't care about being a part of a minor group. I am myself. I am a rock. I, I have to stand, as Emerson said, on my own glass tripod so I can keep my electricity coursing through my veins, the electricity of my words, the electricity of my sentiments, the electricity of my of, of, of my brain, of this everything. That got to keep going. We got to keep that going. But that's going to be under assault with the ideas that Blinken is proposing. So it's not just the war that bothers me. It's his notion that he thinks that he can impose democracy through force. And perhaps it's even correct. But it's not good but Blinken probably doesn't see democracy as an evil he sees it as a good and most Democrats do I mean that's just natural to their party natural to their name natural to their ideology but the problem is even if they see it as a, a good they're still trying to force democracy onto the people through force they're trying to force virtue onto the people through force they're trying to force virtue onto, force. To force virtue onto all of us through force, virtue and good character cannot be cultivated through force. Barack Obama understood this, which is why after he bombed Libya in the Smithereens, after he deposed Gaddafi, and then the nation uh, Libya just descended into chaos, and they've been going from provisional government to provisional government for for decade, you know, for, for like a decade or so. He learned, okay, we can't do this through force. Then he goes on and he's bombing people anyway. I don't understand. Look, I just don't get it. We cannot have someone who brings forth these ideas actually occupy the Oval Office in any capacity, whether it's as the president's advisor, whether it's independent. I don't care. He cannot be within the president's inner circle. That's scary. That's scary. This is not about Christian being an isolationist. This is about Christian recognizing that when you have a war, it needs to be done for a just cause. And that just cause needs to involve the preservation of our direct homeland, not the propagation of ideas. We tried propagating ideas in Vietnam. Look what happened with us. There's still landmines in Vietnam, old relics of that wretched conflict that people step on and get their legs blown up from. Because we tried propagating an idea. Why are we propagating ideas through force? good ideas will be accepted through voluntary association. Through conversation. Through debate. Well, Christian ca- terrorists don't care about debates. Conversation. Okay, I'm, that might be true. I agree. So why not enable the people, the governments, in which the terrorists operate in, to fight the terrorists? Well, Christian, the governments are state sponsors of terrorism. Okay, so if the government is going to sponsor terrorists... Do you think you're going to do anything but embolden terrorists, or embolden the government who's sponsoring them, by continuing to attack their assets? What is wrong with you people? What is wrong? I don't get it. I just don't. I am oblivious to this kind of mindset. Well, you're an isolationist. No, I'm not! I just want America to go to war responsibly. I don't want us maintaining an empire abroad. I don't want us trying to field virtues around the world through bombs and through the, through force, which, as the reality says, does not work. I just don't want us doing things that are vile in the name of things that are supposed to be good. That's it, people. That's it. And Blinken, Anthony Blinken, is going to be a continuation of everything that happened in the past eight years. So, it's a shame. It's an absolute shame. Alright guys, we're coming up on our break. Um, I encourage you, please subscribe uh, on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, please. It helps me a lot. If you're listening to my voice, people listen to this podcast, I know they do. <laughs> you, I need you to subscribe, to like, to comment, to share anywhere. Because this message is dynamite. We have to get it out there. We have to spark that pensive flame within the hearts of people around this nation. So, I will see all of you in a little bit, okay? I'll see all of you in a little bit. Um, We're here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. I love all of you. All right, guys. Welcome back to Penn's Mr. Watson, I am your host as always, for our friend, internally, Christian Watson. It is great to be with all of you today, as I always say Thank you for coming back to be with us for segment two of this episode of, of Policy, Mr. Watson. All right. So this weekend in Atlanta, I visited the CNN Center for the Walkaway Rally protest, and the theme of the protest was CNN sucks. <laughs> so a lot of folks might be thinking, "Well, Christian, why in the world would you go to such a rally?" Well, the, que- the answer is because I support the sentiment. I do. I I saw. Su- I- Look. The left has spent decades conditioning people, especially its adherents, that the people who have different worldviews are any number of obscenities. They are racist, they're homophobic, they're sexist, or whatever. And there are people who those obscenities are meant to protect, right? So calling someone homophobic is meant to protect people who are gay, at least in the minds of the, of the accuser. So the subjects of those obscenities, people who actually stand to benefit from them being used in common parlance, many of them were saying, look, I don't feel as if someone supports traditional marriage that they're homophobic, or if someone supports, you know, religious liberty, they're homophobic. I don't feel as if someone does not think that systemic racism is holding me back as a black man, that they're racist. I don't feel, And I mean, there are just people that just don't, whose ideas and minds don't cohere with those propositions. And so plenty of them, many of whom adhere to the left's dominant ideologies, were like, no, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. That spark of truth is just starting something up in my heart, and I have to run away from this kind of mindset. And guess what? Thank goodness for them. Hoorah for them. I'm happy that they are. And so the idea of walking away... From years of not just the Democratic Party, but from years of conditioning, from years of being told who you are as opposed to being able to discover it um, in a personal sense rather than a political sense, um, years of just uh, of, of infighting, years of all kinds of things that are demeaning to the soul and don't help me as an individual chase my uh, my my character, my high version of my character, my virtue. Uh, they just got tired of it and they walked away. So I support walk away. I do. I don't agree with everything they say. And guess what? No one there agrees with everything that they say. No one does. I have talked to so many people at walk away and they come from all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities, all different sexual minorities. They just, if you differ in opinion or belief, it is okay. That's why I like walk away. That's why I like those folks. It's fine. You can have different opinions. You can be that, as Emerson said, that person who plows his lot for himself and takes his lot for himself. You can be that with walk away. With some folks, you just cannot be that. You can't act like that. You can't do that. If you do, then again, you are hurled with obscenities. You are invalidated with obscenities. And 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 this in the safe space culture of the past few years, which really always existed, by the way, it's not it's not new. It's just. It's induction and it's uh, dissemination across the culture is what's new. And it's being disseminated across the culture through the internet. All this stuff always existed. All that kind of stuff is just making people say, you know what, I can't take it anymore. And the the politically homeless person is going to eventually gravitate to the most resonant thing to them. What resonates most with them and to them. And for walk away... That is conservatism, libertarianism, Republican Party, things like that. So I went out there to show my solidarity, my support, to pour out love onto that movement. To just tell them that, you know, you guys are doing something that is intellectually, philosophically, and spiritually righteous. You are blazing that fire of truth just through all these... Through this different information, you are break, you are breaking shackles of information. You are breaking manacles of depression. You are breaking strongholds. You are shattering illusions. You are shattering falsehoods. That's what I like to see in the political context. Because politics these days is predicated upon the dissemination and the creation of falsehoods. Machiavelli knew this very well. He knew that you had to divert the people's eyes to what they think they want to their sensations to appeal to their sensitive soul rather than their rational soul as Aristotle would say Machiavelli knew this very well But when that rational soul kicks in and we begin using this up here our prefrontal cortex that frontal lobe we can begin processing thoughts and using our faculties for greatness when that kicks in people will go to their own conclusions people will go to their own conclusions now you can only work with the concepts you have This is a very important point. I can only work with what I know. I am not this omniscient being who has access to this broader collective unconsciousness that lets me have all this information. No, I can only work with what I have. The walkaway folks didn't have very much. Many of them didn't. They were in isolation. But when they found something, when uh, when the spark met the heat, a conflagration happened. So look, I like... I love the walk-away crowd. Um, Mikey Harlow, Brandon Schrock, Dr. Carlin Borshenko who I, I love that lady. My lord. I, she, if you've ever wanted to know someone who's on fire for truth, who's on fire against collectivist pretension, it's Dr. Carlin Borschenko. You have to subscribe to her YouTube channel. I'm hoping to have an interview with her eventually. Uh, well, that's the plan, at least. We're hoping to do an interview eventually. Um, on her channel i'm gonna talk to her about my experience with the political race theory and leftism and things like that because like i have had a lot of experiences with that myself although i never walked away because i was never a part of the democratic party establishment i have had a ton of experiences with leftism and the perils thereof within my university setting so i would love to talk to talk dr Carlin and borschenko about those things it'd be awesome but these are folks that are motivated by that fire of truth you gotta get that. You gotta under you gotta appreciate that. So I arrived in Atlanta. I got up around six, I think. I arrived, I arrived in Atlanta around eight. I did it with a friend. Then I went over to the CNN Center, parked my car and everything. Parking is terrible down Atlanta. It's just terrible, man. But still, it's COVID, so I I found spots. I arrived at the rally and it was very hard. It was very easy to see the the blaring uh, sirens, the Trump signs, Trump flags. It was easy to identify okay, these are the people that are walking away. These are people who are vivaciously walking away. Hey, that's a good thing, brother. That's a good thing, brother. That's a good thing. Good thing. So I walked into the crowd. I have my mask on, of course. And I'm just listening to these people speak Shamika, Michelle. Brandon Schroff, they're just bellowing out righteousness, most of them at least. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not a griff, this is not a illusion, they are not feigning outrage, they are not feigning passion. This is the result of passion that has has been kept down within the depths of their soul and their mind for generations upon generations upon generations, for years upon years, that germinated into this just, this beautiful, blossoming tree of righteousness that just came out and said, BAM! That's what I heard. I didn't hear mere anger. I didn't hear fake ideas. I didn't hear fake sentiments. I didn't hear grifting as it's closely called. I didn't hear that. I heard righteousness come out like a river. That's what I heard. I heard people say, you know, even though I am black or I am gay, I refuse to believe I'm a victim. I refuse to accept the notions of determinism that so many in academia have. I refuse to sit here and subordinate myself to the past. I refuse to believe that time is not linear. I refuse, I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. It ain't gonna be me. I refuse to believe that my ancestors, that I'm still paying for what happened to my ancestors. I refuse to believe that all white people are guilty or all black people are guilty or whatever. I refuse to believe in racist collective guilt. I refuse to believe in that nonsense. I refuse to endorse racism under a different kind. I refuse to endorse this sort of anti-racist, racist, pseudo-scientific nonsense. I refuse to, to endorse this nihilistic behavior that is happening on the left. I refuse, I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. And the media many of whom have been stoking these fires, that have been stoking these th- these falses, that have been stoking these illusions, we're going to tell you just exactly how we feel. We're going to tell you just exactly what's going to happen. We're going to tell you just exactly where our sentiments lie. We're going to tell you just exactly what you've done to us and how it's affected us. We're going to tell you those things, my friends, and that's what Walk Away is about. Now, I do believe it's foolhardy to blame the media for everything. I'm in the media, essentially. <laughs> but I think the better term is legacy corporate media. Or maybe just legacy, because corporate doesn't really matter. Legacy media. People who once had a gatekeeper mentality hold over information. Because you see a certain kind of manifestation of particular sentiments coming out of the institutions. <laughs> But what I wish had happened at the walkway rally, I wish the focus had not been merely on CNN. Because CNN, yeah, but CNN is powerful and everything, although they're losing viewership every day. In fact, there's a question as to if their company even survives into the new year or into the next year. CNN, yeah, okay, I get you. I know why you're upset at CNN, but I don't think they're the right people to be upset at I think the media as a whole is a culprit. But be upset at the academics that labor under these false assumptions about humanity and the world. Be upset over the activists who labor with these assumptions and then use these use policy to enact these assumptions into reality. Be upset over them. Don't be upset over CNN. Don't be upset over MSNBC because they are only disseminate you know media. They only disseminate information. Um, Monika Michelle she said in the rally that. Media is the interve- intervening substance through which information is conveyed to the senses. Yes, that's correct. So that means my phone right here is a form of media. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my my, uh, my camera, my microphone, all of it, they are forms of media. So we can't use the broad definition of media to indict the entire idea. The concept of media is bigger the news institutions. But so that part of the rally was good. So I made Dr. Carlin Barashenko. I take a picture with her. Then after that, we go over to the state capitol. Now, the state capitol is holding a much bigger... The Georgia state capitol holding a much bigger rally. This is a... It's more geared towards stopping the still, Whatever that means. <laughs> you guys know my thoughts on that kind of stuff. And of course, a lot of folks speak. Um, now, at that rally... Alex Jones was slated to be there. He didn't show up. He was in Atlanta a few days before that. Nick Fuentes was slated to be there. He showed up. And so when I was at that rally, you know, I had seen a lot of people with Trump flags and everything. I thought people—they were all nice people. They were all nice folks. Antifa was there, but Antifa was so the police. There was a line of police dividing Antifa from the rest of the rally, and the police were actually actively walking. Towards the Antifa folks. Pushing them back. Because look. The police have no interest. At least in, in the city of Georgia. They have no interest in accommodating the desires of terrorists. Or the desires of people who want to cause trouble. Antifa are essentially belligerent terrorists. That's what they are. They have no interest in accommodating those desires. None not, not whatsoever. So thankfully. No violence happened. So I talked to people. And I happened to go over to Nick Fuentes' uh, little rally, because there were two sections of the protest. There was the main stage, then there was Nick Fuentes' little group. It wasn't little, actually. It was actually quite frighteningly large. And for those of you who don't know, not know who Nick Fuentes is, Nick Fuentes is a nationalist, collectivist, um, a nationalist collectivist, ethno-nationalist, white, identitarian thinker and speaker in America, I shouldn't say that. That gives him too much gravitas. He's only like 21 years old. He's like a year older than me or so. But he has cultivated this cult following on the internet. And this cult following called the Gripers are cons- constituted of young people, constituted of uh, a lot of folks who are just blind adherents to his ideas of nationalism and his anti-immigration ideas. And they just follow him wherever he goes. So, Nick Fuentes wasn't just there to show solidarity with President Trump or so. He was there to push his idea that America is under cultural attack. A broad cultural attack. Not, not not a cultural attack from like the liberals or whatever, but a cultural attack. Well, actually, a cultural attack that happens to be coming even from people who p- propose to be for freedom. So, just to run down Fuentes hates libertarians, Fuentes hates mainstream conservatives. He hates National Review. He hates Ben Shapiro. Fuentes just hates anyone who is not a rabid, nationalistic talking head. He hates them. This is is someone who has said that interracial marriage should not happen. This is someone who has said that legal immigration, not illegal, legal immigration of people coming from different countries, mostly brown people, is a threat to American culture and a threat to American civilization. Uh, this 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 is someone who genuinely he made Holocaust jokes, like he literally disputed or doubted the numbers of people who were killed in the Holocaust. This is someone who doesn't have an ounce of intellectual integrity in his bones. This is someone who labors in a, a world of conspiracies. This is someone who genuinely believes in wicked ideas and has false imaginations. Genuinely. This is someone who I think is nothing more—he's quite indicative of the kind of politics that threatens to destroy the dream of the founders, threatens to destroy the dreams of freedom, threatens to destroy the the true formula by which we obtain that self-actualization, by which we obtain an adherence with the natural law, by which we obtain— that just self, which we obtain these things which help us be politically virtuous. Seriously. So, I actually encountered and interacted with one of Nick Fuentes' supporters, one of his great so to speak. So, a young man from Virginia. I don't think I got his name. I got his name, I just don't remember his name. 24 years old, I think. And he had a nice business casual shirt on. Uh, these people will oftentimes dress very nice. The, these Gripers, are, these nationals are not the kind of people who will just come in with uh, suspenders and a, uh, a piece of uh, yarn in their mouth or or, or a, pit, a toothpick in their mouth. No, no, no. These are very educated people, which makes them dangerous. When Charlottesville happened, and Nick Fuentes was actually at Charlottesville marching, I think. Well, he was at Charlottesville. I think he was marching. He he claims he wasn't, but he, evidence points that he was actually at Charlottesville. At Charlottesville, the people who were wielding tiki torches, shouting, You will not replace us, each and every one of them seemed professional, they were young, they were, they were, they they seemed to be people that you would not imagine harbor such malevolent views. So I talked to this guy, and I'm like, okay, what do you think about Nick Fuentes' ideas about interracial marriage? He smiles, he's like, haha. <laughs> Well, look, I'm not against interracial marriage, but there are difficulties when you mend two cultures together like that. So when I hear that false sentiment, I just... That fire of illumination just begins perking up in my body. My mind is just now entirely focused on this boy and is shattering the falsehoods that that consume his thinking. That's what Christian Watson is contemplating. When I hear this. Exactly that. I'm like, okay, look, I don't care about this rally anymore. This is a soul that needs to be saved. I felt like, as the conversation continued, that I was doing an exorcism. I'm not kidding. I felt like it. The conversation went on for about an hour. And so I responded to him. I'm like... You think race and culture, or how I look like my culture, are int- int- intricately linked? He's like, Yes. I'm like, well, How? How's that so? If that's, if that's the case, then how come a Dutch woman is different from a white woman from Louisiana? How come me, as a black African American man, am quite different than someone from Ghana or South Africa? Culture is not linked with how I look. It's linked to what I believe and oftentimes my geography. It's linked to tradition. These things are external to how I look, brothers and sisters. I hammer that point with him. Eventually, he's like, well, there's a correlation. I'm like, I don't care about correlations, brother. You made a principle statement. You made a conceptual statement. You made a philosophical statement. So, you need to defend that statement through reason to me, but guess what? You can't because it does not correspond with reality. If your sentiments don't correspond with reality, you cannot defend them. Or if you do try to defend them, you'll fail miserably. So, I mentioned to him the immigration thing. And I mentioned to him, and he thinks that racist is linked with culture and everything and the immigrants would destroy America, or he would would demean America. He said that libertarianism is flawed because, well, freedom is the reason why we're in the state that we're in right now. He linked libertarianism with sexual revolution, with all this kind of stuff, with hedonism. He's like, well, look, freedom is why we're doing this stuff right now. Freedom is why America is such a destitute state. And I said... You know, you think of America in a very provincial way. The Amish are not out there being sexually revolutionized. A rural kid in nowhere Kansas is not somewhere being sexually revolutionized. You are taking trends which cohere with very certain parts of the country, which are not indicative of a whole... And you're applying them to the whole. You're extrapolating what you think America is from singular instances. The sexual revolution, the hippies, all of them, they are particular groups of people who were eccentric, who broke lockstep, who broke custom, who broke mores. That is why they are so coveted and they are so. Um, magnified in the culture, not because everyone believes it, but these folks cannot separate hyper-focused, isolated incidents or anecdotal incidences from how the country truly is. So we talk, I fight verbally, but while I'm trying to con- trying to disabuse this guy of his pseudo-racist, ethno-nationalist ideas. I'm telling him, dude, I love you, man. As one human to the next, I love you. As one human to the next, I care about you. As one human to the next, I know what's going on in your mind. You're looking for something in your life, and you're trying to find it, but you found it in the wrong place. And the words that I'm saying to you, the words that are being exchanged right now, I'm just, my my friend, don't. Don't take them as a means to destroy you or hurt you, but to help you find yourself again, to revitalize yourself, to do some restorative therapy on your mind and your consciousness. I love you. Yeah, this gay African American guy just sitting here telling this ethno nationalist guy that I love him. Because guess what, I see more than an ethno nationalist in that man. I see someone who's lost, who found inspiration in the wrong places. And of course, by the end of our conversation, he has no more arguments left. Not because I'm so good, but because when you hit people with the truth, they will eventually come to accept that they can't push back against it anymore. Yes, they can ignore what you said. They can pretend they didn't hear it. But the truth is absolute, it is resolute, and it does not abide by mediocrity. It does not abide by false standards. It does not abide by subjective experience. It does not abide by my own mind. It abides by the composition of this very world, people. Fuentes doesn't get that. The great bride talking didn't get that. But guess what? Their actions are bound... By objective laws and principles that must cohere to that idea. It must. So I didn't destroy the guy. Although he didn't have any arguments when I was done with him though. <laughs> I talked to him. I loved on him. I said, this is not what you have to do, brother. You're greater than this. If there's someone who you think is lost, don't touch on them. Talk to them and give them the truth. And I promise you, it'll leave an imprint on their mind. All right, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. we got a few seconds left. Again, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Pandora. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Official C. Watson. If you're listening to us, please comment. Let me know what you think about today's show. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Rate us everywhere you can. Christian Watson is my YouTube channel and everything. All right, guys, I love you, and as always, please, forever and eternally, stay pensive. Have a nice day, guys. Thank you.